quick note before we start episode 176. It's Veterans Day and Remembrance Day. So thank you to all the men and women that have served and are serving and to those who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom. So yeah, uh, so we can sit here today, feel comfortable yeah. and do what we do. So thank you very much. Uh, last night, Buffalo Sabres, Las Vegas Golden Knights. I, if there's one place in the world I could have been last night, Craig, in the Vegas Golden Knights locker room. Simple as that. Yeah. I cannot what? imagine what I like. I just picture like popping champagne and guys going nuts because that was a massive game for that team. And they came out, and you cannot tell me Jack Eichel did not want to win that game and give the ultimate F you. And the only way that he could with his play on the ice. Yeah. You could see that uh, the guys in the team were certainly happy for him when he when he scored his first goal. Um, you know, got himself in the board, rebound shot, back door, buries it. You could see Jack and and uh, you know what that meant. You know, gave the old uh, gave the old uh, hand wiggles uh, up in the uh, to to the crowd, almost to say, "Hey, <laughs> here here's on you and all you boo birds." Um, and then you know he he his second goal was unreal. What did you think about that? What did you think about about his his response to his goal? I originally kind of started to laugh. Uh, I I started to laugh, and then I just said, "There, there he is, there he is, Jackie Boy's back." You know he is. He waved to the Jack. crowd after the game too. Did you see that? He was Jack. Listen, Jack is, waved to the crowd. He was so happy after his goals. And I, I'm going to say, I you know, I know people don't want to hear this. Buffalo got their medicine. Vegas and Jack got their medicine last year when they came back here. That was that was Buffalo's night. The fans got what they wanted. The players got what they wanted. The, the franchise, Kevin Adams, everybody who was in Buffalo and and saw that whole situation with that player go down. They wanted what happened last year to happen. And then you had the post game. And last night I was I was happy for Jack. Like I sit there and I like Mark Stone's comments after because you sit and you think like he wanted that so bad, Riv. He he wanted that so bad it was unbelievable. You could see it, and he had yeah. two breakaway chances. He missed two breakaways. It was like, and I know you watched the game. I know you 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 watched the game. I'm not going to watch. I'm going to boycott. I, you you watched. Your wife got you set up. Yeah, my wife figured it out for me. But there, that game was everything to him last night. And the other well, day, you know, I, I think you said it wasn't going. It wasn't everything to him. That was everything to him. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, watching the game, the entirety of the game, there was one constant that kept coming back to me throughout the game. And when the game finished, there was one, one thought in my mind that kept on coming back to me. And that is... That is a superstar. 
That's a superstar. Jack Eichel is a superstar. Don't care what anybody else says. Do I like the way Jack handled himself here in Buffalo throughout some of his tough times? He didn't, he, he's a very immature kid. He's a very, very emotional kid. A uh, whole, like literally is holding it on, like right on his sleeve. Like he is an emotional, he needed guidance when he was here in Buffalo. He did not get it. I don't think, I don't think he got it. He needed to be guided in channeling his emotion after games, after tough losses, because he had a lot of it, man. It wore on him. It wore on all the players back then. Sam Reinhardt, everybody's like, ah, he's a piece of shit. Well, is he a piece of shit or is he just in a piece of shit environment? Like Rasmus Ristolainen, you know, he's just, he was, you can say, you can sit there and be like, oh, he's the worst defenseman in the league. He's not a top, he's not a top defenseman. He's not a top one, two, or three on any team in the league, but he was a very good defenseman. Okay. The analytics guys uh, will, will argue with me and that's fine. I can. I can I can deal with the argument with the analytics guys, but he at was the same in a shit time, environment is what you're saying. He was in a absolute awful environment from the day that Rasmus Ristolainen set foot in this organization. Just band aid after band aids after band aid, shitty players, you know that were just a joke. So what's and it got to do with was, Jack last night? Well, it has to do with it has to do with everything. Jack came here; he was the savior of this organization. He walked in. Like he was the savior of the organization and Jack and Sam. Did he walk in like that? Or did he walk in with that kind of, with that expectation? So he took that on. Oh, he, he knew exactly the pressure that was on him. Jack is an elite hockey player. Um, but he came into an environment one year, two year, three year, four year. It's just the same thing. A bottom five team in the league for years and years and years and this wears on hockey players it just it it plays with their minds they're looking at all of their buddies because jack has a million buddies around the league that he played with played against he's talking with these guys he's talking about their environment on the team and the veterans and what they did on the rookie party and everything else and jack's like that yeah that doesn't sound like anything like where i am so do I like, do I blame Jack Eichel for at one point in time, just being like, I, I need out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm five years deep into my career. This team is literally worse than what it was when I well, got he, here. Well, listen, listen, he asked for that trade after they fired Bottrell and hired Adams. He asked for a trade out of here. Yes, he did. And that and, makes a lot. And, I, and I, makes, I don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I, I, how can you blame them? They just, they literally just fired their GM, fired their coach, fired all of their employees, all of their scouts. They fired yeah. everybody. But how many times does that happen in Jack's tenure? Well, fine. But that had, that was probably the final straw. He's probably sitting here going, this is a fucking joke. This is an absolute joke. And then obviously Kevin Adams goes and tries to sweet talk him into staying. He goes and gets Taylor Hall. He goes and trades he, for Kevin Adams he goes said and trades for Eric Stahl without Eric Stahl even waving his no move clause because he's that desperate and he has to talk him into coming here because yep. he has to try to appease Jack because he asked for a trade. Yes. They should have traded him that summer. Hindsight's 2020. But no, but when I you, don't think so. I don't well, okay, think so. Okay, fine. You got fine. You, you right? Fine. Let let's we, I don't want to not giving away a superstar, point. man. You're not giving away a superstar. Oh, my God. Like, no, you could see that it was unraveling. I mean, even at we couldn't say anything because we worked for the team. 
we had said behind closed doors, trade him a year before. The year before yeah. that, we were like, you got to trade this kid now. You got to trade him. And and we could never say that because uh, you can't say that on the show because you work for the team. Blah, 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 blah. We you have, to, you have to tell everybody how great it is. So we talked Sabres about his are... talent. All we did no. was talk about his talent. We didn't talk about anything else, but we talked about his talent. And he is talented. And my God, did he show that last night. But the point is I'm trying to make is I'm I'm not happy for him because the Sabres lost. I'm not happy for him because he stuck it to him. But those stories are awesome. Like Mark Stone said it yesterday. He's like, man, if if you don't have those emotions, you're he said blind, but I mean what I think what he meant to say is you're numb. You're numb. You have no, you don't, you can't feel anything. Because like I said to you yesterday, you know. I may have come back with the New Jersey Devils and I may not have played that night, but my God, I want to tell you something. I wanted to win that game. I wanted our team to win. I wanted to, I wanted to win so badly because at least I was sitting out on a team that was better than the team that I was on before, you know, and that meant something, you know, and it was like, so to see Jack go and and do that and his reactions afterward, that must've felt pretty, pretty good. He must have felt pretty good last night. As much as I wanted to to wax that look on, on his face right off of it, like I just, I I I just I I I saw that and I was like, man, as a saber, God, I would love to punch that fucking look right off his face. But as as a former athlete who understands on a minuscule level to what he was going through, good for him. Yes. Good for him. You know, like, and he listen. missed two breakaways before that. And I was like, when he got the break, all I thought about when he got the breakaways, what's he going to do when he scores? Is he going to do anything? Is he just going to be cool? Is he going to be cool? Because we all know he tries to be really, really cool. Is he going to be cool? Is he going to just put his arms down and be like nonchalant? Or is he going to do something? Is he going to jump in the glass? Is he going to, and he didn't let me down. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. Yeah. A lot and of, you know what? I think I might have done the exact same thing. Probably that was a that what does was Jack a, care about the Buffalo f- fan base anymore. Do you think he actually gives a shit about the Buffalo Sabres fan base? No, I think he gives a shit about what happened last year. I yeah. think that was I think that bothered him big time. And I think I would I would love to know how much money was yeah. on that board. Listen, Jack, Jack, I, I've said this a thousand times. Jack, Jack um, struggles with 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 the media. He struggles with emotions. He is a he is a very emotional hockey player. Okay, he wants to win more than anything. He he works his butt off on the ice. Um. And 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 last night meant something to him. But you also you have to realize, like you have a team that's won eight games in a row. You have a team that going into the last night's game was twelve and two. They were the number one team in the league. Okay. Jack came into this, this, uh, this game last year with a wounded hockey team. They were not, um, the team that they are right now. You know, they have the Mark stone, their captain of the team. He's a very calming influence on the team. He's 30 years old. You know, William Carlson last year was not playing well. Um, Riley Smith, who's another assistant captain on that team was out the entire year. I mean, 
they had so many injuries. Shea Weber, now, Petrangelo, and, yes, they had so many injuries. They were now decimated. you have a team that is an Pacioretty older was on the team. team and he was hurt too. This is a team that's built right now. In the next few years, this is a team that is built to win the Stanley Cup. You have Mark Stone, who's 30, Carlson's 29, Marchessault's 31, Riley Smith is 31, um, Chandler Stevenson is 29. These are all their top six forwards. Phil Kessel's 35. Very, very big piece to the puzzle because you need that third line that is going to make other other teams you know figure things out and 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 have to match up yeah. you know they have a great player in William Carrier who is a former Buffalo Saber who plays his role to an absolute T he's 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 exactly what you want in a, in a fourth line guy he's fast and he's highly physical he's six foot two 218 pounds and he throws his body around he goes to the nasty areas and he plays the game the right way for a fourth line hockey player i mean the team is set up he's in a good the situation team is set up for success he's in a good situation and you know what the thing is he's the most important offensive piece but he's not the only piece and that's the biggest difference is he's not like jack he's not yeah, that's that's everything. Like he's he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a letter on his shirt. He's just a he's just a high scoring player on the team, and that's all he has to be. He doesn't have to carry the organization. Doesn't have to answer questions after every game. Uh, doesn't have to do any of that. You know what? Uh, you know what bothered me? I, not bothered me, but you know what I noticed last. We haven't night even talked game? about a, an Alex Petrangelo. This is a guy who is a former captain of the St. Louis Blues. So here's the thing. You know, you want to know when the leaders come out. I've said this. A million times in my career, a million times, leaders come out when things are bad, not when things are good. Okay. Mark Stone is not going to the media right now and he's not talking. They're talking to Jack Eichel. They're talking to all these guys that are having great success and how awesome the team is. And you guys are doing great. And, but there's going to be a point in time in this season where things are going to go a little off the rails for Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to happen. Maybe two, three, maybe four games of a losing streak or or not playing their best hockey. You know who they're going to go to? You know who's going to step up? It's going to be Mark Stone. His calming influence is going to talk to the media. You're going to have Riley Smith stand up and talk to the media. You're going to have Alex Petrangelo, 32-year-old defenseman that's already been a captain of another team. He's a world-class player. He is going to step up. Jack Eichel is not going to have to be the face of doing this. Alex Martinez. We don't know. Like, who Phil, the hell is Alex Martinez? Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. There's another okay. guy. I Alex mean, Martinez is a guy who has won a Stanley Cup. So is Chandler okay. Stevenson. There's going to be some guys that will just step up. Jack is not going to have to. When things go wrong. Jack Eichel is not going to be the focus of that team. And it's, it's going to be, uh, this is a, the environment that Jack's in could not be better right now. Well, it's hard to tell who Bucci Gross was rooting for last night. He did his best to make, to try to call a bias game, but Holy shit. Was he rooting for Jack? My God, it was gross. It was, and I, I love Bucci. He's great. And I don't feel like I need to follow that comment up with that because I want to kiss his ass like everybody else does. No, I just, 
I could not stand. Like, when was the last time you heard a color or a play-by-play guy announce a first assist when a goal scored? And Vegas is on the board, and Jack Eichel has an assist. Like, what? Oh, clearly, clearly, you thought that fucking assist was important. You know, like, I mean, come on, like, show a little more. Well, uh, Bucci understands the game. He understands. Oh, no the question, he understands the game. But holy Jack shit, Eichel. root for Jack a little more in the in the game. My God, by the way, I'm convinced he listened after the whistle. Literally quoted our show like 50 times throughout the broadcast. But that could be just a false assumption. Um. But I just thought it was interesting, you know, like you could hear the difference, you know, and then he had to go back to like, oh, and Buffalo is trying to make it a game and Tage Thompson almost gets back on the board. But it was an emotional game and and everybody around the world that wants to downplay it and wants to say that that game was just another game. No, because the entire hockey world was running the sound from last year and now they're running the game. Um uh, that occurred last night when when the same guy that shit on the on the t- on the team and the fans comes back and actually l- and absolutely lights them up. It, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. You know, it's an entertaining story. It's a big storyline, and it's 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 yep. a great sports story. I mean, if you're if you're not emotionally attached to it at all, you're sitting here saying, "Man, that's a pretty cool sports story." You know, superstar goes back and lights up his team with three goals and an assist. And they and they pound them after what yeah. happened last year, but I want to talk a little bit about the Sabers because as we sit and watch another star leave and go to Vegas and and tear it up, which Tate's I'm Thompson, okay with. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm I think everybody who who listens to this our our podcast um, is obviously very frustrated, somewhat irritated, angry this morning. They've got a hate on for Jack Eichel. And I understand it. I get it. Um, that's the the beauty of of professional sports is to have these types of storylines. Okay. We had our way last year. The Sabres had their way last year and they enjoyed it. And this year it's Jack Eichel's turn and he'd enjoy it. And he walked out of town with, you know, uh, a, a three goals and an assist. And he walked out with more importantly, a big win. You know, I was watching um, last night a little bit. Um, uh, Colorado, Nashville. Okay. Yep. And this, I thought this was interesting. I'm watching Colorado, Nashville. And then all of a sudden out of, out of nowhere, a player from uh, Nashville steps on the ice and the Colorado fans start booing. Yeah. And I'm like, who, who are they? What's the booing for? What happened? Did they miss a penalty or what? It was just a neutral zone line change. Players come off the bench and player circles in the neutral zone and there's no chaos. And everyone just starts booing. I'm like, what are they booing at? You know, it was Matt Duchesne. That was, yeah. that was one, two, three teams ago. He, he went from Colorado to Ottawa for two years or for a year and a half. And then he went to Columbus. Now he's been in Nashville for four years. He hasn't been in Colorado since the 17, 18 season. And they're still booing him when he comes back. You know, it's like, and why is that? Why, why is Colorado Avalanche who has won a Stanley Cup? That's sports. We love villains in sports. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's, you think about some of the great players, like they were, they were deemed villains. Why do you become a villain? Because you're good. Like no one cares if, if a guy comes back who scores zero goals a year or one goal a year and he steps on the ice, like no one's going to boo for that guy. But for a guy that can actually step on the ice and maybe do some damage against your team, 
or help your team had you not left. Like, remember, Matt Duchesne held out for a trade. Jack Eichel asked for a trade. Jack Eichel had the whole neck situation. So, you know, fans don't forget. Fans don't forget. So it's it's a it's a very interesting um, you know scenario last night. I will say this though, um, I feel like every game Tage Thompson just makes me seem like my stance at the start of the year for waiting on signing another contract gets worse and worse. That take it gets worse and worse. If if you're her the Sabres because Kevin Adams might've signed a guy to a contract that should be making maybe $10 million starting next year and not 7.1, whatever, because how much money do you think Tage Thompson's leaving on the table with the season that he's having? I sent this to you in the group chat last night. Like he'd be looking at nine and a half, maybe $10 million a year. If he gets 45 goals and 90 points this year, which is very doable. Well, you were, you were mentioning to me about Tage Thompson. You said you know like you know can you imagine this this young kid getting 50 goals this year and i and i was just like how about we just take a step back and say what if this kid scores 40 goals this year like 40 goals in the nhl is mind-blowing okay tage thompson um started off when you think about it his first number of games maybe three four games he was really struggling didn't really have uh, he had one goal points. in his first five games or something yeah. like that. And, uh, you know, you be honest with you, I, I, I really like his game. I've always liked Tage Thompson since he was, like, young and came here. Um, and I was nervous for him. I really was. I was kind of feeling sick to my stomach about, you know, oh, my God, did did uh, did he just sign a contract that is way over his head? Is he going to be that one-hit wonder, you know, where he had that 38-goal year and 68 points, and all of a sudden then he falls back and into, you know, a different category? And I was nervous for him. But, you know, he's he really seems like he's got his his shit together. He's playing at a at, at a tremendous level. He is a major, major, major piece to this, this team. Um, He's not just a shooter, man. Like this guy is not just a guy that you give the puck and he shoots the puck to or shoots the puck. He just, he can do many different things with the puck. He's so talented. It makes him a multi-threat. His, his first goal yesterday patented. His shot is, is almost unstoppable. And then his second goal driving wide to the net and scooping it in. It's got unbelievable skills, man. And I just sit and I think, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, sustainable what he's doing. I think everybody should enjoy and realize that, you know, Tage Thompson's played 14 games and has 10 goals. Yeah. But maybe the game, maybe the game now is allowing players like this to sustain these kinds of statistics. I mean, maybe it's the style of game of hockey that's out there. That's allowing McDavid to have a goal a game and be on pace for 82. Like, Tage Thompson to score. Look at the goals that are being scored. Like we got guys that are on pace for ridiculous numbers. Ridiculous. Is it st- sustainable? No. Is it is it ridiculous numbers? Who who's on pace for ridiculous numbers? Uh, well, let's just start with the obvious. Alexander Ovechkin, at almost you know thirty some odd years old, is still putting up goals at an unbelievable rate. Uh, Tage Thompson, Connor McDavid, uh, Bo Horvat. Um, Svechnikov, Eric Carlson, Gabriel Velarde, 
Kapril Kaprizov, Kirill Kapril, Leon, like these guys, these are, we're only 15 games deep into the league, into the season. So yep. 15, so multiply all that by six. That's about, that's 80. 16 times six is eight is 90 actually. So it'd be five. So if you multiply it by five, so you have multiple guys, you have guys that are on pace for one's on pace for 75. The other one's on pace for 60. Another one, 55. You got a defenseman on pace for 50. Tage is on pace for 50. Like, well, like, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And in fact, someone just, someone just three minutes ago tweeted the show saying, because the show tweeted out, forget 40, bring on 50. And the person wrote, after this goal last night, and it was his second goal, driving wide on the defenseman and cutting to the net, scooping it up over the goalie's shoulder, said Tage Thompson is projected at 58 goals. I think that that um, is comp- that's not sustainable. That's just me. I think if Tage Thompson Craig, right now and Craig, comes in guy, with look, 40 goals this year, the guy gets I think uh, the guy board. gets a prime, he gets two prime scoring chances a game. Just because just because the puck, the puck ends up on his stick and there's a power play. If there's a power play, he's getting a shot off. Yeah. One, one way or the other. Listen, I mean, you 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 brought up to me uh Gabe uh Gabe Velarde. Okay? Gabe Velarde last year had five goals in 25 games. The year before that, he played 54 games, had 10 goals. Now he has, in 16 games, he has 10 goals. You think he's going to sustain that pace? He's going to fall off in a big way. Like, if Gabe Velarde right now scores 25 goals for the LA Kings, I would be shocked. Okay? That's just me. But right now, he's he's exploded, you know, uh, onto the scenes, and, and he's doing very well. And you know, well, why can't he be the Tage Thompson? Why can't he be the Tage Thompson of the NHL this year? Young kid exploding onto the scene. How many guys have exploded onto the scene? Look how many guys over the years. Go look at uh, Jason Robertson. Oh, there he is, right there. Jason Robertson, thirteen games, nine goals, ten assists. Yeah, but he already scored. What did he score last year? 41? 40? 41. You know, there's a lot of players that are that are putting the puck in the net so that maybe are this having is his success. Jason Robertson year. Maybe Velarde scores four. Yeah. I mean, he's a first round pick. Let's not sit here and say that he's like, like an eighth rounder coming out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, you talked about him last year when uh, you thought maybe Eichel would have been dealt with to the Sabres. You're like, if you're going to get a player in the trade, Gabe Velarde is the guy that you want to get in the trade. That was the key piece in the whole deal for you was Gabriel Velarde. Um, Yep. But anyway, so I, I, I feel like there's so much to talk about. We're all over the place, but. Uh, you know, the Sabres last night, okay? And, you know, I read some of the comments. Um, a lot of people shitting on, on is it Clegg or Hag? Hag, Clegg. Clegg. Shitting on, uh, um, uh, who's the, def- the defenseman there? Uh, his dad played in the league, Fitzgerald. And shitting on Comrie. And I get it. They were minus three, minus four, and you know Comrie let in some goals. Don't forget that he stopped Jack on a breakaway twice when the game was still in reach. And and also, like, how about you know you want to you want to center out the center out those guys, Comrie, Cl- uh, Clegg, and Fitzgerald. How about go a little higher up in the old pay scale there? Okay, 
Yeah. How about going a little higher up in the old pay scale? And I don't even want to get into that so much as I want to get into the fact that this team is going nowhere until I know they're the youngest team in the league and they've hung with every good team in the league. I've watched every single game. But this team is not going anywhere until they start getting players that are not afraid to play with some guts. But I'm not talking about fighting. Their forecheck is soft. Their, 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 the way they, they lean on bodies is soft. And, you know, like, you know, there's a statement to be made at the end of the game. And if you want to go watch the video, you got Jack Eichel lined up shooting for a, an empty net from 200 feet away and you can absolutely paste him in the boards and you don't. That's disappointing to me. It's disappointing to me. It's time. It's time for the general manager. Okay. To start shipping out draft picks in players that are not going to be here for players that can help support the players that are going to be here. One word, actually two, sorry. Thomas Vanek. You get where I'm going with that, yeah, Andrew? Bo Horvat's not saving this. It's not Bo Horvat, Craig. He, it, like, yes, it would be unbelievable to get a Bo Horvat. You know I'm what not this talking team needs? about Bo Horvat. I'm talking about, I'm t- yeah, Keegan Colsar, William Carrier, uh, yep. you know, like uh, yep. uh, Miles Wood, a Bastion. All these teams that have these fourth line players that nobody wants to credit as being massive pieces to the team, but my God, they go over the boards and they wear the other team down. The Stabers don't have anybody, with the exception of Zemgus Gergensen's up front, that wears anybody down. Nobody wears anybody down. They all go out there and try and play shinny. They try and play shinny. You're not wearing the other team down. I, I bet you all the opponents that the Sabres have have so much energy after the game because it's so much harder to play when you're getting hit and stopped and have to start again than it is to fucking curl away from checks. And I swear to God, this coach tells them, don't finish your checks because we don't want you to be taken out of the play. I don't, I can't stand to watch it anymore. I can't, I can't because you can ask your players to finish checks. You can ask players to play out of character and, and they just, they all go out and try to play the same way. Sit simple as that. They try to play the same way. Uh, next line up, let's try to be the more skilled line tonight. Whereas other teams go out with a purpose. That Colesar line, man, they go well, out. You, they go I out. mean, you can just go through the lineup. I mean, we've said this a few times, and 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 this is, you know, listen, I mean, we can get frustrated, okay? We can all be frustrated, but Kevin Adams has a vision. And whether you vision. like the vision or not, okay. he Why has a vision. Why do these pieces have to be last? Why you do know, they have to be the last piece? Rasmus Asplund. What's the difference between Rasmus Asplund, JJ Paterka, Jack Quinn? Nothing. Aiden Krebs. Well, Jack Quinn's in the press box. That's the only difference. That's a whole other issue. And he shouldn't be in the press box. He should be in the minors. Don't ever put that kid in the press box. If he is not in the lineup playing in a significant role where he is where he should be playing. Now, I'm not saying he should be playing there yet because he's he's 21 years old. If he is not ready for the NHL yet, put him in the minors and let that kid go play 20-plus minutes 
and just play him to death in the minors. And when it's t- when it's his time and he is ready, maturity wise, phys- physical wise, like bigger, stronger, he'll he'll jump in and he'll never look back. But he has to play. He shouldn't be in the. He should never. He should never be in in uh, sitting watching games. I'm okay with him sitting and watching games. But it's I'm like not. what what well, I'm not occasion. Well, that look, kid's look, never look. sat and watched a game in his well, life. You want to know? Even why? Steven Stamkos got scratched. I mean, Barry Melrose might have might have cost him his job. But I mean, even Steven Stamkos, you know, ha- had uh, you know sat in the press box. And then there are there are things that kids like that can learn from sitting in the press box. Like, and I, you know, even Thomas Vanek will tell you that he had an unbelievable rookie year, and I think he spent some time in the press box. And I think he probably learned a lot by it, especially mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You know, I think there's a lot to be learned to, especially when a coach says, go out and watch this player or go out and watch that player. And you go out and you specifically watch one player and you're like, oh, okay, well, I see what it is you're trying to get me to do. So maybe that's, that's a Quinn. Like maybe they're saying to Quinn, watch Tage, you know, watch Tage. He's, you know, that's the, you know, with the shot and the release and everything. All I'm saying is, but not this often. Not this often. This this is this is getting a bit. Uh, it's a bit overkill, and it's not like um, it's not like you're going to harm the team any by putting him in. I could replace him easily with five yeah. players and okay. a few veteran players that make millions of dollars. You didn't get. You didn't even let me get through my list. Oh shit! Asplin, JJ Paterka, Quinn, Krebs, uh, Vinny Hinestroza, Middlestat, Victor Olsson, Jeff Skinner. I mean, there's a shit ton of players that in today's game, I would love to play against them. Most of the D in the league would love to play against them because they don't hit. They're young. Mistakes are being made. Um, You know, Dylan Cousins has played solid. Okay. Tage Thompson has played quite well for this team. Alex Tuck can be better because they need Alex Tuck to be an elite forward for this team every single night. And he has not, he has not performed up to standard. Like he, listen, I mean, five games ago, he, we talked about how insanely good Alex Tuck is, but here's the thing. We are, this team's on a four game losing streak. And if you don't have Alex talk playing at the highest level, you're not going to win games. Same as, same as anything. Uh, he had when, a tough game a last team's... night, that turnover there when he's coming uh, down. You know, the listen, I mean, it's not, it's not, it, it's not just one turnover. It's how you play. Oh, I'm not pinning it on that. Games. I'm just saying it. That's just, that's just an example of like how things are going right now for him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, the, the, Jeff Skinner is a great hockey player. He is a great hockey player. Um, he has scored an ungodly amount of goals in this league. But he is single-handedly, like I said last year and the year before that, he is single-handedly the um, he has the worst contract in the game. So the Sabres, Jason Bottrell, who uh, I'm pretty sure did not want to sign this contract, he did not want to pay Jeff Skinner $9 million, but somehow Jeff Skinner is still 
making $9 million a year. Okay. So someone signed them to the contract. Just happened to be, I don't think it was the GM who decided on that. I don't think the GM wanted wanted to sign him to that contract. He did not. He did not want to sign him to him to that contract. But somehow he still has the contract. Okay. So I just look at Jeff Skinner and I'm like, you know, if you're going to win hockey games, if you're going to win playoff games, which, you know, I'm looking at the playoff uh, status of uh, Jeff Skinner. He hasn't touched the playoff game. He hasn't touched the playoff game. He hasn't played a playoff game his entire career because it's the way that he plays. He is extremely easy to play against. Extremely easy to play against. He's a one-dimensional hockey player. And you're not going to win games with players like Jeff Skinner. You're going to win some games. And some games, you're probably he's probably going to score some beautiful goals in front of the net. But you're not going to win hockey games with Jeff Skinner. And you're not going to win. You're not going to. I mean, it's even worse when you're paying them $9 million. Well, I'm sorry. Right now, I don't see much difference between Jeff Skinner and Casey Middlestad. Okay. You can go after Casey. I'm, Um, I'm, well, I'm just, I'm talking. That's that's fine. But I would, I would say, like, you know, you look at, you look at Victor Olison. Oh. Victor Olofsson, about to me, him too. He's, I don't they're, think they're, that they're, you are going to win hockey same. games with him. I don't give a shit that he scored nine goals. Three of them are, three of them have been, um, you know, open at goals. Great. Okay. But it's not just about the goals. That's what people have to, people cannot look at statistics. You have to look at what the player does and how difficult he is to play against, not only in the defensive zone, how he does his job in the neutral zones, how he forechecks, how ferocious he is in front of the net. All of these things, making it a nightmare on the defense in the defensive in the offensive zone. Okay, but how about how about how the team plays? They gave well, up the multiple team breakaways because they gave the up multiple breakaways, multiple you, two up one two on ones, multiple uh, three on twos, and this is nightly. And then it almost seems like. Uh, it it almost seems like uh, the defensemen are 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 uh, confused about what to do on a two on one. I mean, like Owen Power on the two on one. I'm not picking on the kid, but I'm just making using it as an example. Uh, such a big body. I mean, he just he literally kept his stick out in the middle of the lane and 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 drifted to the to Kessel. I, I I'm not a I played defense until I was about 14. Okay, I played forward and defense. My point is, is that, so I don't know how to play defense of that, but I've watched coaches coach defensemen in the league and how to play two-on-ones. And I'm thinking, that's not what I remember hearing how to play a two-on-one. Like I think about a Jay McKee or a Craig Reve or guys like that, that are, are so strict in their defensive ways of thinking. And I'm like, they aren't playing it like that. Like who, who's telling him to do that? I, I don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't I, know. Like, I, I can't answer the question. I can't is, answer the question. Should the goalie be telling him what to do? I don't understand. Like, that's not. Well, listen, I mean. That's not I, a, that's we, not where the coach says, hey, uh, like, hey, this is what we're going to do on a two-on-one. Why? Yes, that's exactly what happens. No, it I starts, know that's what happens, but the, but the goalie should be the one saying, this is what I want. Well, maybe this m- is. Maybe they have. Okay, maybe they have. Well, if that's the case, then it doesn't look like there's much synergy. Yeah. And maybe they haven't. 
Okay, and maybe they you haven't. Know, <laughs> I we had this discussion a couple weeks ago about how you play two on ones, and and for me, in my career, I had goaltenders that wanted different things, very almost the opposite. So it depending, it all depends how you're the the two on one in which you play will depend on your goaltender and and the conversation between the defensive coach, goaltender, and all of the D, whether it's the six, seven, eight that are that are on the roster. And the goaltender is going to describe to them exactly what he wants and how to play a two-on-one, okay? And goaltenders are different. Goaltenders have different philosophies. Some like to... Um, some want the shooter. They want a one-on-one, come out, make themselves big. They want to challenge the shooter. They want you to take the back door. I've had other goaltenders, you're getting the block off in San Jose, who was absolutely unbelievable. He was be in the middle, and then you are going to force the shooter. He does not want a free shot on net. So he is going, he wants you to force the shooter, stick on puck, make it real difficult for the pass to come across to the backdoor guy. But if it does get there, then Nabokov's already cheating because he knows that there's no shot coming. Okay. So he's already cheating to the, the backside guy. Here's the thing. You break up a lot of plays. There's a lot of players that have the puck drive wide. And when you force them like really hard, a lot of times 50% or more of those pucks don't even make it to the backdoor guy. So Nabokov wanted highly aggressive forcing of the puck carrier all the time. Okay, and, and, so, and there was neither of that a multiple okay. times. Well, it's listen, not just I mean, power. It's been all season long. Okay. Well, these are things, these are things that need to be talked about because every goaltender is going to be different. Now, Comrie, he's the leader of the pack. Anderson, he's the leader of the pack. They will, they will tell you what they want and then you have to do it. And I, I can guarantee it. Once that happens, you, you will have less goals on two on ones. Once the goal, the, the defenseman and the goaltenders are in sync. I don't know what else to say about the team, man. Because well, listen, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people you know, want to criticize the goaltending, and I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, nah, no, uh, you know, Comrie, Comrie did what he what he tried to do and and keep his team in the game. You know, two How many breakaways, breakaways did Jack have? Two. In the, like, how's that even freaking possible? Well, he's never been good on on breakaways. How by many the way. How many breakaways did the Sabers have? Uh, well, if I, I mean, if I need to, I'm trying to think if maybe there was like, I watched the entire game. I'm trying to think if maybe there was like 30 seconds that maybe I missed that they might have had a breakaway, but I'm going to guess. Not a whole lot, man. Not, not. None. No, you can sit there and you can talk about Kyle Clegg or, um, talk about Jacob Bryson. Both were minus three, minus four. Um, you need to realize that, I mean, the Sabres are missing. Two players that they desperately need, and that's Matias Samuelson and Henry Yokiharu. These are two top four defensemen off your team, and now you're bringing in, um, you know, a Casey Fitzgerald who is that who has actually played solid. Okay, he's a solid hockey player. You got um, Clegg, who's played under 60 games he was he's played under 60 games in the nhl when he got here 
not 250 or 370. We're talking when he came to Buffalo, he had 58 games under his belt. Okay. So don't shit on, don't shit on Kale Clegg because that's, that's the, uh, that's the GM's issue. Okay. Bring in the right players that if you do have injuries, then these guys will step in the lineup that have more. You're already dealing with an entire team of, of, of young hockey players. Right. I mean, like they've lost four in a row. Are we going to sit there and point fingers at a 21 a year old Peyton Krebs because he's not getting it done or a 21 year old Jack Quinn or a 20 year old JJ Paterka or a 21 year old Dylan Cousins? Are we supposed to be pointing fingers at these guys? What about what about the, the youth on defense? So when, when, when Thomas Vanek is on the, on the podcast the other day and he's sitting there saying this team needs this player because he needs this, the team needs this player because number one, and I'm just using Thomas Vanek and Bo Horvat because Bo Horvat's an unrestricted free agent. He's 27 years old. He's right in the realm of the type. He's not a 32-year-old. He's 27. He's got a long, long journey in this game still at a super high-end level. This team needs older, more established players right now that are playing at a high level. That's, that's just what I think. I think Sabres right now have a tremendous war chest of prospects, super high-end prospects, whether it's, whether it's uh, the, the goaltender that's playing for Michigan, who most likely is going to leave. Okay. Or is it the Johnson who went back to college or is it all the first round draft picks, Coolidge, Coolidge, um, you know, uh, Savoy, like there is so much in the war chest yeah, that's not great. all these guys you know are going what? to play. It's just at been, what point in time do you make a move? It's just too. It's I, I get everything you're saying, and all that sounds wonderful. And it's been the same shit on repeat year after year after year after year. And I and I can sense it from fans that they're numb to hearing that. Whether it's like, yeah, the first rebuild didn't work, and then the second rebuild didn't work, but now the third one is really going to work. Well, well, why is that? How do we know that? We we don't know that. And it's and and you know what? Um to be quite honest with you, um yeah, the team got off to a great start and it was it was really great. Uh, we were all excited about this. But how many great starts there, has, has the Buffalo Sabres gotten ten, off to in the ten, last decade? 10. 10 good starts. 5, 6 maybe. Okay, if I'm being, uh, you know, if I'm exaggerating. But that's all I'm saying, man. Uh, you know, I, I sit back and I watch and it's like. So is this, is this another season? No, I'm not trying to figure out who's going where and who's going to do what. And, or is it a thought of like, we Tage Thompson, who's a young guy right now, who's playing at a high level. How do we maximize Tage Thompson? How do we get the most out of Tage Thompson? He's 25 years old. 
What about a Bo Horvat coming in to really solidify the second center position? Okay, you know what? You know what? You talk about Bo Horvat coming in and everything, and I'm that's, just, I, I love just it. A, I, I love it, and it's a dream. But the 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 moves that you know need to be made. It's like send guys down, bring guys up, ship guys out, bring guys in. I know it's harder than it sounds. It sounds easy, but at the same time. You just start getting rid of guys, like moving guys out, open up spaces for players to play, send guys down to them. Like, why? Why are we like, we can't sit on your hands. You can't sit on your hands right now and and say that this team, you're just going to ride it out and see where it goes. You have to add pieces. You have to add pieces. And it's been evident. They got off to a great start, but the, the same pieces weren't there and they limped through some of those games. So moves need to be made now. I'm sorry, but the Sabres should be the most active team. How can they go and who can they move to try and acquire pieces that will make this team look better on the ice and a more well-rounded team? Because all we do is talk about how skilled and fast they are. Well, that's great. It's gotten you to a certain point, but eventually teams will figure out how to play against you. And then all they do is check you. It's all teams do. Every team so much bigger than the Sabres. But it's not even about being bigger. It's about how you play. It's about how you play. I mean, yeah. it's about puck battles. The, the NHL is about small area battles, whether small area battles in front of the net, in the corners, along the boards in the neutral zone, small area battles in the defensive zone in front of the net. You know, I mean, the entire game is about small area battles. Well, then and next, right now, I like if I if I were to tell you like Victor Olsson is unbelievably skilled. He's an unbelievable hockey player, and everybody needs to understand that. When I sit there and I talk about Victor Olsson, I'm not shitting on him because I think he's a world class hockey scorer. player. He's unbelievable. His shot is he's a great goal scorer, unbelievable. But is he the right fit for the team? If you had a different type of player, maybe scored a little le- less goals, but he added a lot of other intangibles in other areas, the team would probably win more games because of it is what I'm trying to say. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that Jeff Skinner is a complete piece of shit. Yes. He's overpaid at 9 million. He knows it. Everybody knows it, but you know what? It's better to be overpaid than underpaid. There you go. Yeah. I don't have a problem with Jeff Skinner making 9 million a year and neither does he. Because you know what? Someone was going to pay it. And I, I don't look back. I, I think it's awesome. I, I'm so happy for Jeff, Jeff Skinner. Now, here's the thing. When you talk about the player, he has been a goal scorer his entire career. He's a, he's, a, he's a great player. But is there a player out there that can bring more to the game on a much lesser salary that may score 15 goals less than Jeff Skinner does? Because he scored 33 last goal. There could be a guy that scores 20 goals, but adds like so a Nino Nino to the team. Yep. Uh, Sabres' next game is Boston tomorrow night. Then they have Vancouver, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal over the next five games. So a couple winnable games in there, but they've been in it with every team. Look, like let's be honest, with the exception of last night, they were in that game, but Boston's going to be a handful. Yeah. And then, you know, listen, I mean, coming off two tough games um, against Carolina and Tampa Bay on the road. Okay. Coming back to, you know, laying an egg 
on home ice against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and listen, I mean, Arizona is surprising everybody right now. Another win last night. Another win last night. They just Beat keep the on. They just keep on doing what they have to do. But you know what they have in Arizona? They have top end players, but they also have guys that know their roles. The Muckers, the Cassians. Like I mean, the the. Uh, Lawson Kraus, they play big, they play physical, they have guys that know their roles. And in, in Arizona, they're playing for each other. They know their they know their role. Like we have we have so many players on the Sabres right now that basically don't really know what their role is. I have no idea what the role is. And or if, they're and trying to were, or they're trying to prove that they're yes, yes, they're, they yes. belong in a higher That's exactly role. Exactly it. That's so they're exactly not going to go and play the role that is required in the spot that they're playing. Yeah. They're going to play to try to impress so that to show that they can play on the top lines. Yeah. Because and that's, they're all highly skilled first round picks. Yes. If you were to ask and poll all of the players that are on the forward line, okay, I'm just talking the forwards. If you were to poll all the forwards, out of the 12 guys, you would have probably eight or nine that all say the same thing. That all say the I'm same. I'm a top six forward. I'm a, I'm a top six forward. I'm very skilled. I can produce points. I just the need Sabres a chance. The Sabres literally have, in their players' own minds, 12 top six forwards. Yeah. The defense is a little more cut and dry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Power dollar. You know, Kyle Poso is playing on the fourth line. And, you know, Kyle Poso is is a guy that thinks that he can be on the top two lines. Well, he, he's a guy that I think could be on the top two lines. Yeah, he absolutely. So I, I mean, you know, more so than some of the other guys right now. Yeah. Just be, just because of experience and the way he thinks and how smart he is. Yep. But And I would have him on. I would have him where I'd be. I, I don't like him on where he is. I don't like him where he is at all. I wouldn't have him there. He's far too good, far too smart to be. Playing I'm going to have him position. digging in the corners and making plays below the puck. I want him throwing the puck out to Skinner or Thompson. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> that's like, like that's his that's his bread and butter. That's what he does so well down below the goal line and by the net. His passes and his touch around the net. I mean, anyway, we're not. Coaches. I wouldn't have him in the situation. I would have a certain style, like you. Know, you know, you look at Vegas Golden Knights, they have Keegan Kolslar on the on the on the right side. He's six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. He is heavy, he's physical, he's hard to play against. He's not gonna score a ton of goals. It's not his job's not gonna score goals. His job is to be physical, make it make it hard for the other opposing defenseman in the offensive zone to get the puck off him. It just he's an energy sucker. And then Will Carrier is the same thing. He's 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 a big man. He's a big man, two six foot two, two hundred eighteen pounds, but he's fast and he's physical. He makes defensemen make bad decisions with the puck because he's in the right areas and he's gonna be finishing checks. He goes to the front of the net, so now the defensemen have to use this extra energy to try and battle a very big man. They know their roles. Right now, you have Asp- uh, Asplin, who's playing what fourth line center. Yeah. Well, after his world uh, championship uh, um, outing last year for Sweden, he thinks that he could be playing on the top two lines. Just like, remember, remember Larson? Remember we had Larson here? Oh, the bull. Another Swede that thought that he should have been playing on the top two lines. He's like, yeah, I the shouldn't bull. be a fourth line guy. 
the bowl shouldn't Larry. be on the fourth line. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's too late. Asplin is, is he your guy? All these kids yeah. should be taking a look at Zemgus Gergensen's. It's a first round pick, 14th overall career fourth liner. Third liner tops. And he's oh, probably Vegas, you know who Vegas Golden Nice gets? Know who they bring into their fourth line? Paul Cotter. Go go look him up because he s- scored a beauty last night against the Sabres. 6-2-2-12. Can he uh from from Detroit and he can fly. And he can fly. I mean, he's big, he's heavy, and he's hard to play against. Those are their fourth line guys and all four all the all three of those guys, Koslar, um um Cotter and and uh Will Carrier. Every single one of them loves their job. They know their job, and they're there to be a piece to the puzzle. Right and now, they're, they're all over six. Far two. too many guys on Buffalo, where Kevin Adams is sitting back with his with his staff, watching to see who is going to be the one that makes the jumps, makes the steps. And right now, the well, he should know a few by now. He should have. He should know a few by now. He should have his mind made up already on a few of them, and he does. The ones that are locked up. But I'm talking about the other ones that you're trying to figure out. He should already know a couple of those. What you have just from over his time being here, and what you're going to get going forward, and then start shaking shit up because it's all the same. That on that note, quick reminder: tomorrow night, if you're north of the border, tomorrow being Saturday night. We are doing the players, player, uh, player cast again for Hockey Night in Canada. There'll be another night, and I think uh, Commodore is going to join us for a little bit of the game, Calgary and Winnipeg. That's what I said. Yep. Yeah, that's what you said. I look forward to it. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.